Welcome to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan, joined by Russell Johnson, and we're going to talk a little bit about Kennesaw State. Not a lot to talk about there, and then get into this Clemson game, and then kind of what's been going on in the recruiting front as well. Um, you know, the Kennesaw State game was um, sort of what you wanted to see. They went out and sort of handled their business, and really they scored on two sort of fluke plays and weren't really able to drive the field very much um, on and then Tech's offense moved up and down the field and scored pretty easily. So I think that's kind of what you're expecting um, from that game. It was much more sort of what I think all of us expected in the first game who covered the team. I think it's what the players sort of were expecting in the first game, to be honest. And, um, you know, it sucks that they lost that game to Northern Illinois, but uh, for Georgia Tech, but, you know, you got to move along and, and a huge challenge this week with Clemson. Did you have any kind of, last thoughts about Kennesaw State and what you saw, uh, Russell? Um, I thought, you know, I mean, anytime you face the, the triple option, it's always, I mean, it, it's ironic kind of for Georgia Tech, you know, being that there were people on Twitter and social media complaining about cut blocking and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And um, I even saw some of the national media kind of eat that up. Um, but, I mean, you know, anytime you're facing that kind of offense, you know, there, there's always going to be, you know, some type of breakdown. I don't, I don't know if it's, um, you know, it's possible to completely shut down that offense the way it works. Um, it, it doesn't really yield so many explosive plays, and it didn't on Saturday for Kennesaw State. Um, but, but I, I mean, like I, like I tweeted out, I thought it was pretty cool that, that they did score a touchdown in their first game ever against a Power 5 opponent. Because, I mean, that's something that they're going to look at probably 10, 15 years down the road where, you know, they could eventually find themselves a like a, an FBS school. Yeah, I mean, Kennesaw is growing exponentially. It's pretty amazing to me to see how far the schools come and like the last decade and with adding the football program and adding having some success in some of the non-money um, sports. Like, they really still struggle with basketball, which I sort of find amazing, but um, – the, the baseball program is very decent. You know, their soccer and some of the other sports are, are decent. And football programs have been very successful at their level. And um, it was good to see some, you know, I had old friends there, Brian Bohannon and, and Liam Klein and uh, Joe Speed, who are on the Kennesaw staff state and got to say hello to at least one of them on Saturday on, after the game on the field. And, um, you know, it was good to see those guys. They kind of took it in stride that, you know, they knew kind of what they were walking into, that it was going to be probably, especially after they lost the NIU game, they were going to get, they were not going to get a team overlooking them. So, um, you know, they handled their business. And now it's, this is the first real measuring stick I think you have for, for Jeff Collins in year three is this game at Clemson that was such a beat down last year. It was just disappointing how poorly they played in the game. And Clemson even kind of called off the dogs and they were still scoring on the defense. It just kind of looked like everyone was going through the motions after the game got out of hand. And it was as ugly of a performance as I've seen at a Georgia tech game. Um, and, and, you know, outside of, um, I think it was Chan's first game against Georgia where they got murdered in Athens, but you know, other than that, uh, like that was just a bad game. And um, what was the final score of the game last year? No, no, I think that uh, uh, what was the final score? It was seventy-three to seven. I mean, so. <laughs> it was I, it was like uh, like literally historically bad. Like that's how bad it was. So yeah, the bar is set really freaking low now, right? Like. The first game wasn't that bad up at Clemson. That should have been that should have, if you're going to have that happen, it could have been that first game when they were playing up at Clemson. And yeah, you know, you had Trevor Lawrence rolling and going into a Heisman campaign and all that. And they actually played okay. And really, had they not had two horrible miscues early in that game, where they dropped the one year, dropped the punt on the opening, they stopped him on the opening drive, they punt, he muffs the punt, and they get the ball back and get to score easily. And then they had trouble punching the ball in um, a couple of times, too, where they got good field position in that game. It, that would have been a hair more respectable. That one was like 56-14 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've given up 125 points or something like that in the first two games against Clemson. So 
right again bars low right like yeah you know if you can get within i think if they can keep it within three touchdowns that's a good sign of progress um yeah this is not this is not this clemson team's good defensively they're not uh they've not found their their stride on offense and they have a an offensive line situation that actually might be worse than georgia techs so um, yeah so there's there's a lot of question marks at clemson i mean you know, you, you start in the, the running back room. Uh, it doesn't really seem like anybody's kind of opened up to carry the load that uh, Travis Etienne had. And then you've got – I mean, you've got Will Shipley, the uh, former really highly ranked running back from last year's class, who's starting to kind of, you know, see the field. And I mean, it's only two games in, but it, he's been impressive in short bursts. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be the kind of guy that can, um, you know, can carry the load and be a three-down back. Um, but at the same time, you've also got the the quarterback situation, which is interesting to say the least. Um, I know it's, it was a topic on our on our message board on Jackets Online earlier this week. They were talking about how Jordan Yates' performance versus Kennesaw State was more impressive from a number standpoint and probably from an eye test standpoint than what DJ for Clemson – I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. <laughs> I probably I would could. like you to do both their quarterbacks' names, the one and two quarterback. Uh, I would enjoy <laughs> hearing that. Um, I feel like I'm going to get to learn that uh, in, in the stadium on Saturday, like how they say that. But Yeah, oh gosh, can you imagine trying to read the enunciation guide for that? Well, I, I imagine they got to be fun when they go on the road and, like, you have the away guy because – it, for those who don't know, like in a press box, um, typically, except for the COVID year, we would have we have our own in-house guy who reads stats to us like out loud. So, and you know, like I was at NC State two weeks ago. You had they have a guy and he's like reading the names, and they always butcher like all of them. Like that's the thing. Like all of the way team names are butchered horribly. So it's like. You know, they'll call a guy who's a defensive guy, who's an offensive guy. They'll, like, just mispronounce the hell out of somebody's name. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a really bad one at NC State last uh, two weeks ago. But, yeah, I can only imagine, like, what happens if they go to, like, Boston and they're playing Boston <laughs> College and the Boston yeah. College guys, like, Payson, Pharma, come on. <laughs> I mean, like, it's going to be, like, something like that. And it's no offense to that kid, like – that's just no. what happens in these things, man. Like, right. they'll mispronounce like Miles Murphy's name at some places. Like, I mean, yeah. And it's you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jameer's been one that I've seen butchered. I heard butchered. Oh my gosh, times. Um, and you guys hear it on the broadcast sometimes too. So. Yes. Yeah, Jameer. Oh, I get a, I get the DMs or I'm not DMs. I get mentions during the game. They're like, oh yell at the. I was like the broadcast teams in like another area of this right. place. I might see them at halftime, but that's about it. Like I saw Brian so Jordan. It was in the urinal next to me at the Georgia tech game. Like the Kennesaw you know, one. at halftime, that was the extent of my uh, exchange with him. You know, sometimes like uh, I used to see Jake. Um, what's the guy who's a fuller uh, Jake Palmer, right? The, not Jake, Jesse Palmer. Sorry. Jesse yeah, Palmer. Yeah. I used to see like, or, you know, um, Chris Fowler, whoever would be like out in like the Reese Davis or whatever, and yeah, like a halftime or whatever. But most of the time, I don't, I don't even know who like some of the people are like on the ACC network. I usually know who the color guys are, but I don't know like you know, uh, you you don't know those people. So I'm not, and I'm certainly not going to go you know yell at somebody and <laughs> some of like West, the ones I do know, like West Durham. West is a pro; he usually doesn't do that stuff. So um, right. It, that's just funny. That was a total side note, but you're right about their quarterback situation. It's not been great. You know, their running back situations. I'm still sort of amazed that Lynn J. Dixon's not like better than he is. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, he's still, he still looks like a slot back that played for Paul Johnson. Like, yeah. And you know, I, like I, it's weird to me that he never kind of turned it on, especially now when he's not really in a situation where they have, really dominant guys he should be he's like the third string running back for them like yeah um, I, would, I think what something that is I, I wouldn't call it a measuring stick but would you take georgia tech's running back room over clemson's right now yeah yeah 
because I think you have the thing with Georgia Tech is you have four pretty proven guys. I think Jemias is sort of on that edge of proven or not proven, but JP Mason's as good of a big back as, as there is when he's healthy um, and has played pretty well. He didn't have a great game against Kennesaw state, but he has the capability of even last year when he was hurt, he was running really well in some games at the end of the season. He was never a hundred percent last year and still, especially after Gibbs got hurt, ripped off some really good games. Um, Junior Gibbs is, you know, I'm not sure who else in the ACC I would take over him um, right now. Um, Yeah. I'd have to really think about that because I watched the two NC State guys get killed by Mississippi State last week and made me kind of rethink sort of my thoughts on Zonovan Knight and and Ricky Person a little bit. Um, And then – yeah, it was a very that was a very strange game. Russell and I both watched that, and then um, <laughs> I'm trying to think like who else has a really good running back room? Um, not Miami, not uh, not Florida State. No, uh, no. Did you? By the way, as an aside, Florida State's a four and a half point dog against Wake Forest, which is goes to show you how how mighty how the mighty have fallen there uh, for the for the Knowles. Um, I get that they're a dog, but holy crap, they're more than a field goal dog at Wake Forest. This is not like one of Dave Clawson's best teams either. Um, no. They still have some holes. They're probably like an eight, nine win team because they have a soft schedule, but geez. Yeah. That's uh, that's something else. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, where I, where I like Clemson, they have great receivers. Um, yeah, you know, capable tight ends, but like the receiver, if everyone's healthy there, like if Ross is healthy, that's a pretty dynamic room with with some, and they have size, which is a little unusual. It's Jeff Scott's sort of legacy there. He loves the big wideouts. Dabo loves the big wideouts. Yeah, and they like creating mismatches. And Georgia Tech's a little more able to match up with that now. You have Trace Willing, you have Zamari Walton and Miles Sims and Derek Allen, who are all bigger corners. If you need to try to get into that matchup, um, you know, Zamari's not the tallest guy in the world, but he covers big guys pretty well. But the other three are six, two plus guys that can, can cover pretty well. Um, I'd be a little bit nervous about, I'm curious about seeing Derek Allen and against like an ACC level guy at corner. That's just sort of my curiosity more than anything. Cause um had, didn't get a chance to see enough of that in the spring uh, yeah. or fall camp to see kind of where he's at, but apparently I feel good about him. But, you know, that's that's one of the areas. It's not uh, Lance Austin out there at 5'9 or anything anymore. So um, they've gotten a little bigger, and maybe that that's the place where Clemson tries to mismatch you a little bit. And just, you know, uh, open field tackling is going to be big. That's something Georgia Tech has done well this season. Um, just getting, you know, that first defender's got to get his guy down, right? Like, that's how they try to get you to. Like, Clemson likes to get in space and make a play. Yeah. And they, they're betting that they're – this is all Tony Elliott's offense is. They're betting their guy is better in, in space against your guy one-on-one, right? And that their quarterback can deliver the ball to that person in a place where they can make a play. But when those pieces aren't together – they look clunky and Clemson's always kind of look real clunky to me when they get to the backup quarterbacks. DJ played really well last year, but you know, if you go look at some other seasons they had, it was not like that at all. Um, when they've gone number two, they've had a lot of issues in the past. And the last time Georgia tech beat them was straight up because they knocked Deshaun Watson out of the game. And um, you know, I, I think that they, they don't have a Travis Etienne to lean on right now. They don't I, – I just wonder kind of if they're still trying to figure out their identity and their offensive line's sort of a mess. Like, um, you got to – That's to put it nicely. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the way Miami's offensive line's been the last couple of years where it's just – Florida not, State. Yeah, it's just not helping, like, at all. Um, so – I'll be curious to see what happens there. They've got injuries on their offensive line as well. Um, they lost another guy. It was, I think, one of their key backups for the season. Yeah. So they keep taking hits. They've already lost. They lost John Williams already, who they thought was going to start. Like, they're uh, they're taking their hits too. So, I, you know, this is a game where Andrew Thacker's got to kind of step up and – you know, prove that he's a big time P5 DC and can get his guys in position to make plays. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
I Absolutely. Think, I think this is an opportunity where you can see Kevin Harris and and Kennard and Jordan Dominic and Jared Ivy start to make some plays. Like those guys gotta gotta be disruptive, gotta get pressure. Cause I don't think you can I don't know that blitzing six and seven is gonna do much against Clemson. I think that plays into their hand too much. So I think you have yeah. to you gotta get a four or five man rush consistently. And that's gonna be a big thing here because uh, you know, ultimately Georgia Tech hasn't played um team a team that's really good at throwing the ball down the field yet um this season. So no. It'll be interesting to see where where all of that is, how far along they are in that. And it's sort of a good test for the week after this, too, where they play North Carolina that's going to try to chuck the ball around the yard, too. It's sort of getting back-to-back versions of similar offenses to what Georgia Tech runs, too. So all of those things combined should give them an opportunity to be successful. It's a matter of seeing if they can – are at the point where they can execute and if the coaches can put them in a position to execute as well. Yeah, I- Absolutely. I think that's kind of where it, uh, it, it boils down to. And I think, I think this is the kind of game that, you know, if you win the coin toss, this is the game where you take the ball, yep. start the game, and you try to get some points on the board. If you get points on the board and you can you know, get the offense in a rhythm, no matter who's playing quarterback or who's not playing quarterback, I think that that's where, you know, you can kind of start to, to, to maybe believe in yourself, I guess is a, is a way to put it, because, you know, Everybody all over social media, everywhere, you know, expects this game to be a, another blowout. And, I mean, the original – I don't know what you would call it. The original, like, place mark or whatever you want to call it uh, that I would, I would like to see if I was a Georgia Tech fan would be to, you know, cover the spread. That's 28, I think, right now. Yeah. Yeah, it was 28 and a half. I think it went down to 28 because there's a bunch of internet rumors about their quarterback situation. But, um, <laughs> yeah, cover the spread. You know, just, you know, compete, play your game. I thought, you know, Dave Patnode caught a really good game last week against Kennesaw State. Um, it wasn't exactly a quality defense he was facing, but I thought, you know, he did a good job mixing things up. There was quite a bit of motion. Uh, every JOL message board fanatics got to see a two-back set. So I know they were loving that. Yeah, they still haven't seen like the true two back set yet this season. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it's been in there before, so I'm not giving away trade secrets or anything. They've used it in the past here. Yeah. Just haven't seen it yet. And my thoughts, sort of, uh, where I'm sort of at with that, just in terms of the offense, is if you're not gonna, you're not gonna use the tight ends, and they've been using them kind of as inline blockers, and then in heavy sets, right? So. Dylan Leonard's blocking down on the slot nickel or linebacker, and he's playing out wide like a receiver in the slot or or totally out wide like a wide receiver and blocking. And he did a great job of that, but I think if you're going to do that, I almost feel like you should just put two backs on the field. Now, it'll be interesting to see if Jemias uh, plays or where he's at. He got hurt at the on the game, in the last game uh, play fumbled on where he left his feet at an ill-advised manner, so they're down to the – the, probably down to the the trio this week, so maybe it's not a week to go with the two backs. I don't know, but um, that's something I'd like to see. I mean, I, this def the you know as much as we kind of bagged on the Clemson offense, the defense is incredible. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> does Georgia Tech have a guy that would start on Clemson's defense? Probably not. Um, you know. Uh, Trying to think, you know, Jordan Dominic's not starting over Miles Murphy, you know, like, no. um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe at safety, one of the safeties. I don't know. Like, I just don't see, um, they, they're just really good and they're old too. They have one, two, three four like graduate senior guys starting on their defense um you know and then a bunch of guys who are all draft picks too uh like projected draft picks and then the young guys like uh um murphy and, and um brian oh, what's his name the d tackle brian Breesy or yeah Bruce or whatever. yeah and then i mean like like xavier thomas like comes off the bench for them like you know like yeah, <laughs> that dude would start in most schools. Like, so to me, um, 
I think that, you know, this is the what Georgia Tech has to hope for here is your defense plays well and you can get into a low scoring game, which is what Paul Johnson tried to do there. That was a sort of successful strategy was to grind it out and try to um, have some sustained drives. However, you do that, give your defense a little bit of a break and try to to hit on a couple of plays here and there. And, and hopefully you can get some big plays, but don't turn the ball over. Don't do stupid things. And that's, that's the big key this week is they got to try to move the sticks a little bit and also um, hit on a couple plays here. Cause they're not going to win. They're going to win a shootout, right? Like yeah. they don't want to be in a shootout with Clemson. That's, that's what they got into last year. It was a bad spot. They right. need to be in a control game. That's close. I wouldn't exactly call last year a shootout. It was a one-sided shootout. Well, sure, it was someone, someone had ammo out. and someone and then the, and then the tech offense going like three and out um, after they scored a touchdown, kicked off, got the ball back, and then went yeah. out, punted, and the defense went back. You can't have that game. Like you got to move the sticks a little bit. Um, and you know, God bless that Dave Patnode. I, I would not want to be trying to scheme up something against this uh, defense, but. You know, maybe you can sneak Justin Fields in and let him play court. I don't know. He don't certainly know. wasn't playing for the Bears, so uh, maybe he'll – Not enough. Maybe he'll be ready to suit up. But he can sneak in and put Jeff Sims' jersey on and go out there. <laughs> but, no, I mean, they need – they're going to need some help to win this game. They need Clemson to turn the ball over. They need to be in the short field. They need to win the field position battle, right? And then yeah. you got to keep them in front of you on defense. And if if they do that, they should be able to keep it more respectable, you know, like and try to score a touchdown. Don't get shut out. Like those are the things that, you know, I think at this point you're looking for. Clemson's on a different plane than everyone else in the ACC in terms of where they are talent wise and everything else. And so it's a tough measuring stick, especially when you have to play them every year and you're playing Georgia, who's also a plussed up version of that too um, with an incredible defense. So you're playing those two teams. That sucks. Like no one yeah. else is doing that other than South Carolina. And we've seen how bad their programs, you know, how badly things are going for them too. So um, it, you know, it's a huge disadvantage for, for Georgia tech to play these teams. And um, I guess the good part is getting out of the way early next year. That's the opening game of the season. Again, they play in the Benz, I think uh, September 5th next year, but um, you know, uh, I kind of like that they're playing the game now and not later in the season. Um, maybe you can catch Clemson while they're still trying to figure things out on offense a little bit and yeah. and hang in the game. And, you know, it's football, man. You never know what happened. I've watched Syracuse beat them when Clemson was really good. So you just yeah. never know. Like, you get a hot quarterback, whatever. I, I think that that'll be interesting. And, that you know, that's sort of the other side story this week going in for Georgia Tech is – yeah, Jeff Sims, who could have played last week, but not really. Um, you know, it was in the break if break if needed emergency glass uh, box last week, and he's back. And Jordan Yates played a hell of a game. He's played six great quarters, and Jeff's played one and a half terrible ones. Um, and so, what happens this week at Clemson? I, you know, I don't have. I I've intentionally not asked. Because I want to be able to give my opinion and like what I think is going to happen. I haven't pushed anybody to find out. My my feeling is that Jordan Yates will start, <clears throat> but I think you'll see both of them. That's just my feeling. I don't. Know, what do you think, Russell? Yeah, I think that's a that's a likely scenario. I think that uh, you know Yates will probably get to start. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're gonna they're not gonna rotate series or anything. I wouldn't like think that. so. <laughs> but I think that um, you know Jeff will find his way into the game whether it be, you know, in a meaningful way or, you know, at, as Clemson possibly kind of pulls away um, and get him some some reps against that that defense and see what he can do and see how healthy he is and see if he can kind of rebound. After, like you said, that kind of ineffective first quarter and a half he went through um, against NIU. Um, if, if that's how he's going to play, I mean, Georgia Tech may have – because, you know, they thought they had the quarterback situation figured out for the next what three or four years and um, that was really kind of the whole mantra of the offseason was you know they have Jeff Sims and they have Jameer Gibbs and uh, through two games 
correct me if I'm wrong, but neither one of them have scored. Did, did Jeff score a touchdown? Mm-mm. No. no. So neither one of them so. have scored a touchdown in two games. Uh, Mason, I'm sorry. You were asked about Jeff and Jameer, right? Uh, Jameer yeah. uh, has not scored, I don't believe. And Jeff certainly didn't. Um, the Russian, yeah, yeah, the only Russian touchdown, I think, is Jordan Yates. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Dante has two. Yeah, Dante. Yeah, Dante say, has but... two. And then the other t- rushing touchdown was from Yates. And all the rest of them were Yates throwing the ball. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where where like the lack of importance of preseason notoriety and hype and everything kind of comes into play. I mean, you know, Gibbs is a great player. He's elite. Like you said, he's probably one of the probably the best running back in the ACC. But at the same time, there's other players on the team who have you know stepped up and been able to come in in situations and 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 make plays. Dante Smith and uh, like you said, Yates. Yeah, I think, and I think you've got to go with the guys who are making plays, regardless. And Jameer's getting his his touches right. He's still he's been over 100 yards in all-purpose yards both games. Yeah, um, you know they didn't run. He didn't run the ball particularly well. They didn't run the ball just in general very well, other than with Dante against Kennesaw State. But they ran the ball great against um, NIU. Yeah, and he's been real close to breaking some plays. And I think Gibbs probably has a little bit of. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of anxiousness to break one off too on his end. And I think sometimes you press and, and maybe don't play it, relax and play your game and read your blocks and play the way you should sometimes out of the gate. I think, I think overall they pressed in the first game and I think they got a little bit more relaxed in the second game. It'll be interesting to see what happens now you're on the road. You haven't played in front of a full house like that. Um, since what, uh, Maybe the game against Clemson two years ago, you know, like the first game of – I'm trying to think the last time they played in front of like a really rowdy crowd yeah, um, like that. It, you know, probably was um, the Georgia game maybe like in 2019 in Atlanta where the stadium got took over a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, that's you know probably Pickens the last and Trey time. got into the fight. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, and that was like the last time that maybe things were crazy. Yeah. Um, for these guys. So that's something I'm totally interested in as well. And I think you've got to get Jeff. If the games, if you go with Jordan and, he, and you're not winning the game, I think you need to give Jeff some reps in the second half of that game, at least. Yeah. Because I think you, you're going to need both of them. I don't think I'm a firm believer that you, they got lucky last year. Jeff Sims made it through as much of the season as he did without getting hurt. Right. And you need both of them able to go. And this is an opportunity to steal some some snaps for those guys and get Jeff right before you go into the bends. And if Jordan's not getting it done, then yeah, you can turn to him and hopefully he'll have his nerves settled and, and be ready to play. Right. Um, I think I think that's the big thing. If Yates is getting the job done on Saturday, I don't think you see Jeff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you throw him in the game if if the game's competitive and Jordan's taking care of business. No, I mean, I, I think there's no no reason to. Then yeah, you're just you're not, with their head. Like, yeah, you're not you're not going to put him in a gimmick situation at first and goal in the the Tim Tebow formation. Well, like and just heavy or anything. Crazy. And the thing with Jeff is he doesn't want to play like that. I, I know Jeff Sims a little bit by now. And yeah, I certainly know Jordan really well. And yeah they don't want to come in the game and do that crap. Like Jeff doesn't want to undermine Jordan Yates. Like that's, he could have come and played last week in the game. And he was, from what I understand, he didn't want to like, you know, like it was like, you know, even if the game had been more out of hand, I think he would have preferred they put trad in and let him get some snaps versus yeah. coming in and kind of messing things up. Cause you got it when you got your thing rolling, it's, you know, they love each other. The, they're good teammates. Like, they're not trying to undermine each other. This is, a like, a really nice competition um, between those guys, and I think that's something that people miss out on, too. It's not – there's a personal aspect to all of this, too. Like, these guys are friends, um, and they're competitors. And Jordan's as competitive as anyone, in, in you know, on that team. So um, – yeah, He's as competitive as anybody I've ever met. Yeah, I mean, he wants to make things happen. He wants to be – um, he want he's wanted to be the guy ever since he got there, you know, like he, that's the approach he's taken. And that's where it gets interesting. Cause I think 
I think everyone's at every turn. He's sort of been a guy who's always been underestimated. So it'll be interesting. I'm really curious. Like this could be the most weird thing that could happen. Like what if he goes out and plays really well? And this is sort of um, before your time, but analogous to sort of what happened with Justin Thomas, which is um, Justin Thomas was like this guy who was smaller uh, people, you know, he was a really good athlete, different in a way from Jordan because he was just a freak athlete with freak speed, but a smaller guy. And, you know, everyone wanted him to play cornerback and he came to Georgia Tech to play quarterback. And they had a guy who had the locker room, sort of like Jeff Sims and Badley, that was the guy. And then Bad left because he didn't like running the offense. And everyone kind of wasn't sure what to expect with Justin. And all I kept hearing from everybody was he was the real deal, right? And you would watch a little bit of practice and you'd see him and he ran the offense really well. Well, when the lights came on and he was the guy, he killed it. And, you know, that could end up happening. How many times that happened in the NFL, like where a guy like comes in who's not expected to be the starting quarterback and takes over and becomes this big story. Like, um, yeah. you know, look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's entire career, right? Like the guys played for 20 years in the NFL or something at this point. Yeah, And he's always been that guy that no one expected to be the guy. Like very few people brought him in to be the guy. Um, right. So, yeah, you know, and, and stranger things have happened. Do I think this is going to happen intellectually? No, but it'd be a great story if Jordan Yates came in there and beat Clemson. It'd be the first time they've lost at home in 30 something games, 36, 38. I forget what the number is. I wrote it earlier this week. Um, they haven't lost at home in years, like years. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So, could you imagine the, the return on investment the Atlanta Brace would would be feeling? If Jordan, <laughs> Yates did that? Jordan Yates would suddenly be flushed with nil uh, nil stuff. Uh, yeah, at the wazoo. Um, but I mean, you know, that's the stuff of uh, t- you know, that's a fun intellectual game to play. But in the reality of of watching football all these years, I'd be extremely surprised um if that were to happen but it would be a cool story uh either way and it would be interesting to see what would happen to jeff if 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 that somehow came to fruition but if you know what is it if uh what's the if i forget uh it's late at night russell and i've both been grinding all day um doing our stuff so we don't want to be too too long uh on this but uh, yeah, any other kind of thoughts going into the game, Russell, in terms of what you're looking for and, and what you want to see from Georgia Tech? Um, you know, like, you know, we talked about you know, like consistency in the, the play calling, um, you know, being able to rely on your linebackers to make plays in space. I know that's been a, a sore topic the last well, shoot since I started covering the program. Um, been a while you know, since turn, I've met a good linebacker, uh, yeah, consistent. Um, I think I, I, I I saw some flashes from Tatum game one. Um, I don't think he saw the field much at all game two. Like one snap, I think, or something yeah. in defense. Yeah, so um, if, if he's healthy and, and cleared and good to go, I I think it may be time to kind of give him a little bit more, um, depending on, obviously, the way the game's going. If, you know, Clemson's trying to run the ball down Georgia Tech's throat, I think that's where you, you, you may keep him out. But if the, the time comes and, you know, they're – getting into four receiver sets and things like that, that's when you, you may need somebody who's, you know, versatile like he is and possibly, you know, replace one of the um, the, the starters. Um, and then, you know, just seeing really the, the health of the defense because there were you know, quite a few, um, I wouldn't call them impact, I would call them impact players because – I mean, you had two starters out week. on – you had three starters not play um, – because yeah, it was – because you had Zamari. no Keelan White, no Zamari, and no Jaquan yeah. Griffin. Yeah. So you had two of your four projected starting defensive linemen out and your top corner, and then Tariq Carpenter played one play. It's yeah. a strong safety. Exactly. And so, J.K. I mean, came in and played the whole game. Um, so did a great seeing job. Seeing what happens there is going to be, you know, see how many snaps do they get, you know? What it does what, What's the defensive end rotation look like? I mean, those are, those are things that, you know, going into the season, I mean, I know the D-line was talked about quite a bit because of the depth they've been able to build there. But the inside, the D-tackle, where TK started against Kennesaw, right? 
Because yeah, he started for and, Jaquan. Yeah, and then because Jaquan started the NIU game, right? And Jaquan uh, Jaquan started like just about every game for. He started, I think, almost every game last year, if not all of them, and then started the first game this year and was, I think, I think ahead of TK. Um, yeah. and played ahead of him even in the IU game. So in terms of snaps, um, he's just been very productive for them. Uh, but yeah, they need TK to step up. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like Clark played or... six snaps or something in that game. I'm not sure what was going on if he got hurt or there's yeah. one of those things it's hard to tell like during a game for me. Like I'm watching so much stuff, right? And I'm not watching on TV, so I can't pause it or slow down or whatever. I think Lockhart played like six snaps and Daquan Douse and Zeke Biggers played most of the snaps and Aquila Stone. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, Biggers, Biggers is still, you know, kind of learning as he goes, but man, you can see the raw talent that kid has. And you can see why, you know, so many coaches, especially Georgia Tech coaches, were, were so high on him and uh, coming out of high school, even though, you know, rivals and several other sites kind of projected him as a, an offensive lineman. I mean, you saw the the quick twist and the ability to get off the ball against the triple option. And I mean, they they literally had him in the game, I think, because of his size and his ability to be just get off the first block. Yeah, he and, just and, blew up the A gap basically, is yeah. what they had him do, which is something I joked about when the staff took over us. And when I, when I saw Zeke for the first time, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you just take a dude like that and you just have him like fall into the A gap. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, basically <laughs> like they're like, yeah, I mean, like if you have a guy that can do that, that's that's what Alabama's defense was for a long time. Like they had these monsters mm-hmm. and those tackle and they Terrence just, Cody. Yeah. Terrence Cody was like 400 pounds, you know, yeah. like he just blew up a gap by himself. And then you were just worrying about the other gaps. Like you're like, yep. take the A gap or B gap or whatever. And Blow up your blow up the center and the guard, and we'll clean up the rest of it. And yeah, it does work. I, it's very effective. Because I thought him and Aquila were both really impressive. I thought Aquila made took some chances in the game when he was in the game, and thought he did pretty well. And I think that that is a, an interesting sign of progress there, especially considering the fact that they have three defensive tackle commits for the twenty two class. Yeah, yeah. I got, mean, and if you kind of look at it. Um, Really, you have some older guys there with with Shoneman, who's a grad senior, and um, you have Shoneman, who's a grad senior, and then Jaquan, who actually might be academically a senior now. Um, and you know, and then after that, it just kind of dives off a cliff because TK is basically a redshirt sophomore now, um, and then Lockhart and Douse and Kaya Scott are all in the same class with Zeke Biggers yeah. now. Like, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with Zeke too. I, I wonder if they were hoping to save him or not. Um, the other guy that's been really interesting that's played a lot too. It's not a lot, but he's on a lot of special teams and stuff is Josh Robinson. Yeah. Um, he's played, you know, four five, six snaps uh, both games and has been on, I think field goal PAT for them. Um, and, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought I thought for sure he was going to redshirt, but um, he kind of, I think, has jumped like Sylvain a little bit in that field end spot. And it seems like it's Ivy, Clayton, and then Josh Robinson. And maybe he's biding time until they get Keon White back and maybe they pull him back down um, when Keon comes back, or maybe they don't. Yeah. And maybe Sylvain's not quite you know, 100% yet either. It is interesting that they have Sylvain on the kickoff team, which I've, I don't think I've ever seen a defensive end on on kickoff coverage, um, which I thought was pretty funny. I was like, oh, that's a good idea because he's a bigger guy. Like, he's going to blow up um, whoever's trying to block him. And he's yeah. a good athlete, so it sort of made sense to me. Um, rather than putting, like, a Kevin Harris or a Kyle Kennard or someone, that you have Sylvain yeah. bigger – more physical on the, on the kickoff. So I, I chuckled the first two times they did that. I was like, Oh, that's funny. I was like, I was like 32. I was like, wait a second. It's Sylvain. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's also another kind of unspoken part of the progress from year two to year three is the, the special teams. I'm not talking about field goals. I'm not talking about punting. You know, David Shanahan's done a, a, a good job and, and some Aglia seemed to be 
he, he looked like he did at Tennessee last week. But yeah, I'm talking about his cleat, and he suddenly yeah. is kicking the ball better. I'm talking about then, the kickoffs because uh, last year that was an issue. They were they were really they. I don't know. If, I don't exactly know the the formations. I don't break down special teams, but there were a lot of gaps for returners to run last year against Georgia Tech when they were kicking the ball off. And and Gavin Stewart's done a, a, a great job of you know getting the ball in the end zone, and that's something he's going to have to do Saturday. Yeah, I mean, really, he's had all touchbacks, but I think he's had maybe three returnable balls he's kicked that were yeah in an area where you would consider returning them. Right. Um, yeah, I think like there's one of like the, the five, and then one of there was three. a really weird fair catch like from maybe it was Kennesaw in that game where I was like, yeah, I was like, it was like at the ten maybe. I was like, yeah, that one eh, too. I think you take that one. Like, I don't think you you fair catch it, but maybe they didn't like what was going on. Yeah, well, I mean, they were just getting so out-athleted at that point that I think that they didn't want to risk turning the ball over, like, you know, a fumble or anything like that. And they yeah. probably couldn't afford to lose the kid returning the punt or the, <laughs> or the kick. Yeah, the, the kickoff. They didn't have very like many starts in slot or whatever, or, yeah. their, uh, or be back or whatever, or start a defensive player. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be real interesting to see. I wonder – I'm always kind of curious at these games too, like who shows up to watch because Clemson attracts some interesting recruits. So will they have interesting visitors that might help Georgia Tech down the line? And a lot of times, even with that stuff, you're looking, you know, 23, 24, 25 class, like guys that are kind of just maybe seeing your program for the first time. And and they've liked, you know, they've enjoyed recruiting in South Carolina a hair uh, with this staff a little bit more. So Maybe or and even Northeast Georgia, so maybe see a few kids show up um, that you wouldn't expect, and and um, maybe get like some uh, get some a little taste of what Georgia Tech does, and yeah, you know, honestly, I, I think if you if the game's just respectable, meaning not seventy three to three or fifty six fourteen or whatever, like you know, if it's you know, 45, 24, or like 38, 17, you take that, you, you move on to next week and you, you, you know, get ready for North Carolina, who's certainly doesn't look like the team that they were last year. And no, you, you, you can build off that. I think you got to avoid the 60 to, you know, seven game. Like, yeah, that's the killer. Cause it just sucks the not- life out of the fan base and, and the kids, and it's really hard to come back from that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not convinced Clemson could score 60 points and well, that's the other 60, thing that would look bad, right? 60 minutes of offense, like only offense. They've scored in their two games, um, what uh, 52 points in two games, and 49 of those were against South Carolina State. Yeah. So you know, and it's interesting because they go, you know, they turn around and go on the road to NC State, who laid a giant egg last week at Mississippi State. So the way the ACC's gone, I, I could totally see some teams really crapping themselves this week too. Um, it's just been basically the worst possible scenario start for the ACC in terms of as a league and how yeah. their teams look. Uh, you know, Miami barely beat App State last week. NC State gets murdered at, at uh, Mississippi State. Um, you know, I, I mean, your Florida team, State falls on a Hail Mary. Yeah, Florida State loses State. in the most improbable fashion ever. Um, I mean, your undefeated teams, I think, right now are uh, Boston College, Wake, and Pitt. And Boston College just lost their quarterback for the year. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to and think. I think and maybe Virginia Tech. Too. Virginia Tech might be un, still undefeated too, but yeah. like, it, it's not a. It's pretty. It's not pretty, and um. No, it's a it's a it's a bad year for the conference, and were Clemson to to lose this game, it would be it would be <laughs> great for Georgia for the Tech, conference. but the conference is in a lot of trouble because they're they're not getting a team in the playoff if that happens. They'd need like Wake Forest or somebody to like run the table that's really right. unexpected. And even then, I think they would be screwed. I, like, I think if someone like Wake Forest or Virginia Tech won out, like I think they might not make it. Like, yeah. you know, like there's just not yeah. enough use for one of those teams. Like, if, especially if a coastal team like somehow won like the conference, like 
I just uh, I can't see them getting like Pitt. Like you think people are going to vote for Pitt or Virginia, like to yeah, like in the college football playoff, and it's like say it's like Alabama, Georgia, and like um, uh, who else? You know, like Oregon and uh, Oklahoma, right? Let's say this, yeah. and you have Pitt or Virginia or Virginia Tech or Wake Forest, God forbid, or <laughs> Boston College, like. That, that, that ain't happening, man. Like, that's where you're going to see this whole thing kind of blow up. Um, yeah. It'll be like when the Big 12, 12 was trying to get Baylor and TCU in. Like, everyone was like, no. Yeah. Like, they're not a national brand. And that sucks that that's the way it's viewed. But, I mean, I think Georgia Tech, if they were undefeated, would have a hard time. Like, I think you have to have a resume of having had some success for a few years for people to buy in on, on what you are or just have um, – that sort of blue blood. Um, I don't know if Georgia Tech did that with their schedule. I think that they, they may. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, if they beat Georgia and Clemson and whatever. And Notre Dame. And Notre Dame on the road. You beat at Clemson and at Notre Dame. And, and it's all a moot point because it ain't going to happen. But um, yeah. They, yeah, I guess in that scenario they would. I don't know that um, they would be as excited about um, Virginia Tech's you know, big wins, you know, at that point would be like uh, hosting Notre Dame and my beating Miami and Miami. Those would be their two big wins. Like, because they beat UNC the start of the season. And then that was probably one of three ranked teams they'll play all year. You know, like that's just yeah. not going to cut it. Um, Georgia Tech, you're right, probably would. Um, you know, we'll see what. I'm looking forward to seeing where Miami falters uh, in the schedule. Um, you know, it's play this week? it might be they play Michigan State this week. It could be this week. Oh, they're going to lose that game. And then um, they will absolutely lose that game. And then they have a weird slate of games after that because they play like Central Connecticut State or some crap school like that. And then they play Virginia at at UNC and then NC State and Pitt and then Georgia Tech and then Florida State. They have a really tough stretch of games, and that, that could be where Manny Diaz starts to get into trouble. Um, I think he would have been in a lot of trouble had uh, that field goal kicker shanked that kick on a Saturday night last week for them, and they had lost yeah. the app. Um, that would have been a really interesting. He might have been joining Clay Helton in the unemployment line. Yeah. Uh, getting his benefits because I'm not sure that that would have been palatable to, for the Hurricane faithful. Um, to lose to App State. App State gave him everything we could handle, too. Everything. If that dude catches a damn ball on third down, number 11 for App State, dropped it, hit him in the numbers. He was sitting down. All he had to do was catch the ball. He had a first down. Then they're 10 yards out of field goal range and having enough time to kick and get down. Whew. They were so close to losing that game, Miami. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you know, like as we kind of look at this, it's, you know, I think this Clemson game sort of irrelevant for Georgia Tech. It's a game that everyone thought they would lose. Um, and what's interesting to me is that the schedule looks not as hard now as it did at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, um, if you can get through this and, you know, stay healthy this year for the most part, I think you're going to have an opportunity to win some games if they can – Coach them up. The team's clearly, I will say this, the team's clearly better than it's been the last two years, right? Um, you know, and then one through 85, much better. Yes. Yeah. The best roster they've had probably one through 85, I mean, easily since, you know, probably 2014. Um, and that team, you know, went to an Orange Bowl, but that was a different coaching staff, a different schedule, and a different time. Um, this staff, I think, still kind of learning their learning their ways a little bit too and i think that's something that people miss out on and and some something that jeff kind of stepped in a little bit with the way he his enthusiasm his first year i'll put it that way and you know it's been reeled back right like he's reeled all that back and um i think now they just got to focus on trying to win five six games like if you can do that um you know i think 
what I've been joking with people about is I think they're going to win like five games and miss the bowl game because they lost the NIU in the first week. Because that's like the most Georgia Tech thing ever that would totally happen here. Right. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, with, with the, you know, the rest of the season and this Clemson game. Can they make it close? And then play in North Carolina next week in the Benz. Kind of, I'm just curious what, what the crowd's going to look like in the Benz too. So, um, that, yeah, that's sort of where it's at, where that's at. Um, I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section One Hundred and Three, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech Gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the AT, ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff, super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media and he just does an amazing job. Jackets online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code jackets online, all caps and check out section 103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Any thoughts on uh, recruiting uh, as we start to wind down here, Russell? Uh, well, you know, typically Fridays are where coaches are usually on the road. But uh, tomorrow there will be no coaches on the road. They are fully focused on the task at hand and you know, last-minute last preparations, any type of scheme changes, if any type of new reporting comes in on who may start a quarterback, who may not play defensively for Clemson comes in uh, they, they want to be fully focused it seems from what I've gathered from some sources um, but I am expecting I, I posted it on the message board there, there are going to be some visitors next week that uh, are going to draw some eyebrows yeah I would think the being in the bends will will bring some interesting kids out and North yeah. Carolina certainly helped. And that's something people get worked up about, but I think it's good. Like you want kids to come see you, even if they're, they have some interest in the team you're playing as well. Like, I think yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, um, you know, go, go watch what the visitor list is the Georgia week. It'll be insane. Um, yeah. You know, and that's smart. You get the kids. This is the thing. Like you got to pack all that stuff away in your mind and you're looking at this as a big picture project, right? You're recruiting kids for now. You're and honestly, with the transfer portal, you're recruiting for the future too. Trying to build relationships. You never know who's going to come available. When there's going to be coaching changes. Um, when people sort of change their mind at the last minute. So you know somebody gets fired. Somebody takes another job. So you got to be very flexible and recruit. And that's one thing that I give Jeff Collins a lot of credit for. His staff understands the recruiting piece of this as well as anything, right? You know, yeah, on the field products not there yet, and maybe the coaching's not quite there yet. But the recruiting piece is way beyond anything Georgia Tech's seen in a long time. And um, you know, they got if they win those battles, I think the other battles will start to win themselves. It's just a matter of they need to show progress in the interim to keep keep the fans happy and keep recruits engaged. Um, yeah, and if you know, like I said, if you get to five wins and that's progress and get to a bowl game great you know that's huge progress you doubled your win total and and people will be excited and yeah um you know and obviously the big thing we're all waiting on uh at jackets online is to see uh who the quarterback is for the class and i think it's going to be really interesting um opportunities to go full circle uh, on quarterback recruiting before this is all over with russell it just seems like everything's kind of up in the air with the the 2022 quarterback recruiting class just across the country. And um, 
<laughs> I, yeah, I, think I people, expect uh, I, I expect some of those to be in the bands next Saturday. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, see who the names are that end up being on the final board and taking visits like the last week of the season um, and going into you know the December visit period because I think it, it could be very uh, interesting to see who's on campus for Georgia Tech, um, especially at the quarterback spot. But, you know, uh, one last thing I want to touch on real quick, um, the men's basketball schedule came out, and uh, Georgia Tech opens with uh, – they don't play these consecutively because there's now ACC games in, in December in the regular schedule, but their first four ACC games are North Carolina – at Syracuse, Louisville, and at Duke. So yeah, that's fun. Um, get the Tar Tar Heels both here and there. Um, the rest of those are one one way uh, games. Um, you know, looking at um, just sort of the ACC part of the schedule. Uh, you know, first they play North Carolina, Syracuse, Louisville, at Duke, Notre Dame at Boston College, at North Carolina. So they'll play North Carolina twice in like 40 days or something like that. And then Wake, uh, they play Florida State here, which is a good break for them. They've played Florida State really well. Um, that'll be a tough, another tough game. Miami here, um, Virginia at Virginia Tech, Clemson at Miami, at Virginia. That's a tough stretch there going to Miami and at Virginia. NC State at Pitt. Virginia Tech at Notre Dame at Clemson, the House of Horrors for Georgia Tech, and then ending the season with Boston College here. Um, you know, I'm sort of excited. I'm curious to see what the team's like. Uh, curious to see what Jordan Usher does, man. They put him on the uh, ACC schedule calendar as the, like, the star guy. Um, it's going to be the Jordan Usher and Mike DeVoe show, I think. And so that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I had Jose Alvarado tweeted at me about the schedule and my comments about the opening slot of games, uh, saying the team's ready for that. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. They play USC uh, in Phoenix. They play LSU in State Farm. They play Wisconsin in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in Atlanta. They play at Georgia where J uh, Josh needs to get a win. So, you know. Those are going to be the interesting games. The rest of the non-conference schedule is kind of inconsequential to all teams they should beat. And, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, it's uh, AC, ACC is tough. They won the tournament last year. The team's pretty talented, but so is everybody else. This is going to be a really interesting coaching job by Josh Pastner, and, and it'll be cool to see the fans back. As far as I know, the expectation is still full capacity. Yeah, Camish. So, um, you know that'll be cool uh, and interesting. Um, I don't really know see how the point guard from Gracie does. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Devion Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious how him and Kyle Sturdivant play together, and where Bubba Parham fits into this, and Mike DeVoe handled the ball a lot as the Mike DeVoe in a lot of ways was a point guard last year on offense. Um, kind of ran the show. Will he continue to do that, play more off the ball to help his NBA stock? A lot of questions. You know, the one thing that the X factor to me is if Mike DeVoe could step up his defense, um, I think that could really change his game too because he shows flashes of like having some of that uh, ability, but, you know, it'll be interesting. And, and the thing is they have, a de they have depth now, so they can be more aggressive. You can't, you know, you're not, I think as beholden as you were before with Jose, you know, if Jose got in foul trouble, it was, you know, a big issue. You can let Smith and Sturdivant be aggressive on, and, and Bubba Parham attacking the ball and Mike DeVoe. Um, and I think you got to do that because you still don't know kind of what you have in the big men and how much small ball are they going to play. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that I, I'm kind of curious to see as the season plays out for Georgia Tech and, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect last year. They exceeded sort of my expectations. I thought they were going to be pretty good. I remember everyone yelling at me on the board after they lost the first two games of the season. And that's something I joked about with Jeff Collins, too, even with the football team. It's like, you never know what's going to happen, right? Like, teams lose games at the front end of schedules. Like, 
I remember Georgia Tech with Paul Johnson almost lost to Georgia Southern. They had to like have two fluke plays happen to basically come back and win that game. And then that ended up being a pretty decent season. I feel like that was 2016. Um, uh, let me check because it's going to drive me crazy if I don't. Yeah. Uh, was that? Yeah, I think that was the 2016 season. Like they had to come back and beat them. So like, you know, I, I don't judge things on – I think you can't make a judgment about this football team until you get to really the middle of October. So we're still about a month away from really knowing much about this Georgia Tech football team. You know, basketball is sort of the same way. It's a long season. It's not – it's a marathon. It's not a, a sprint. So keep your emotions in check. You know, watch the game, see what happens. And, you know, at the end of the day um, – Cream rises to the top, as they like to say, and yeah, we'll see if if Jeff Collins can pull a uh, Josh Passner rabbit out of his hat, because certainly the coastal is not exactly um, the SEC West right now. So, no, um, it's not even the SEC East. No, it's not, and it's like the I, well, if the Big Twelve doesn't have divisions. I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, it's like the American West like the American conference West or something like the, it's just not very good. Um, the, the division right now. And maybe somebody will rise up like for it's like the Park. NFC East. There you go. Oh, with like the skit. I mean, with the, like the, whatever the Washington football team and Dallas and the giants who are all terrible and the Eagles. Yes. Um, yeah. No, they say that's a fair analogy. Um, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen here, man. Um, I'm super curious to watch. I think people need to keep their emotions in check a little bit. It's hard when you have the brown liquor in you or too many beers or whatever else you're doing. Um, but, you know, keep your mind right. Don't, like, trash the kids. Don't be a dick on social media to people, like, especially when you're drunk. If you're drunk, you should stay off social media. At least don't post. Words live by from the Jackets Online staff. Um <laughs> That's right. Just lurk on the board if you're drunk, like unless you got something funny to say. Like, let's let's do that, and we'll all have much happier lives right now. And you know, enjoy this game. Like, this is a house money situation for Georgia Tech for football. So, um, you know, they gotta go in and try to beat a good Clemson team, and who's number six in the country. If they pull it off, it'd be one of the biggest upsets of the year. And you got to keep that framework and. Keep that in your mind as you watch this game on Saturday, right? Like, um, you know, they may be the only team other than Georgia they play this year that's ranked, too. We'll see what – I just have a feeling Notre Dame's not going to be ranked by the time they play them. And um, not super optimistic about anyone else either. Uh, Carolina, you know, they play Virginia this week. Virginia may very well beat them. So – it could be a, a really interesting couple of days, but um, enjoy football and watch Russell and I suck at picking against the spread in the ACC. And Bronston, who covers Olympic sports, is killing us. Yeah. Um, which his enjoyment, he texted me tonight and was like, hey, what are the standings? I, I've missed it. And I said <laughs> to him, he was like, oh, I'm winning. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm in last. I don't hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm convinced he just he has like a dog and he writes down all the games on paper. And whichever one the dog grabs first, he picks that team. I mean, I think he picked UMass to cover last week, which is like the weirdest pick of all of them. Like, because you know, my parents went to school there and I picked them in week one and they lost like 52 to nothing or something to pit. Yeah. Um, and that was like a closer line than that Boston. And I was like, you know, Boston College with that, and then the quarterback got hurt. And so, you know, is what it is, man. All I know is uh it's gonna be loud as crap at the Clemson Stadium where we're like right on top of the fans there. Like they could reach up and touch my computer if they wanted to, um, which I don't enjoy. So uh yeah, it's gonna, gonna be fun times. Uh D-Rad, of course, moved the uh, press box from, like, the cool spot where it was to, like, 
basically like uh, in like the 20 yard line or something. It used to be like at 50, like Georgia, Texas. They turned those into suites and booted the press box down into a crappier area of the stadium. Um, and then Clemson's, the fun part about covering a game at Clemson is the, the media areas at the top of the stadium on this giant hill. So after a game, you have to run down the hill and go out into back into the stadium down by uh, where the scoreboard is on the opposite side from where they run in. And um, at the, after that, you have to run back up that hill, this giant oh. hill, to go work, which sucks. And uh, it's like a, almost like a vertical hill. Like it's that sounds like, awful. Yep. And then um, usually by the time I'm done working, there's no like golf carts or anything left to take us to the parking lot. So I'm hiking across campus at night with all these weird drunk Clemson people kind of picking up the last of their tailgates and times. Also, the only place I've ever been hit by a drunk driver um, uh, after working a game was Clemson. So, yikes. Yep. So not excited. I hate Clemson going to the Cle- – I don't hate Clemson. I hate going to Clemson. Trip sucks. You know, <laughs> the games have been not entertaining. It's rained like three of the last four times I think I've been there. Yeah. Um, so – and I think it's supposed to rain Saturday probably. It's been raining here all week, so it wouldn't shock me. Um, we'll see what happens, dude. Um, uh, you know – I don't know what to think. I don't know what to expect. And maybe that's the best way to go into this, man. Yeah, that's all you can do. All right, brother. Well, uh, we'll wrap up this Jackets Online podcast. We uh, babbled for longer than I expected. And we'll be back next week um, to, to share more about Georgia Tech and uh, what happened at the Clemson game and what's coming up next in North Carolina.